Hello and welcome to Teaching English with the British Council Series 2. A podcast in which we try and provide solutions to some of the key questions being asked by English teachers around the world. Teaching English with the British Council. We are your hosts, we am Hamdan and Chris Salton. In each episode, we address one such question and attempt to answer it in two ways. Teaching English with the British Council. In the first part of each episode, we hear from a British Council project, programme or publication about something which is being done to address this issue. Across the 10 episodes of Series 2, we'll hear from teachers, trainers and researchers in a wide range of contexts, including Ukraine, Romania, Egypt and the United Kingdom. Teaching English with the British Council. In the second part, a leading English expert and practitioner will provide practical solutions which you can immediately try out wherever you work. Each episode of Teaching English is accompanied by a full transcript and show notes. These show notes provide additional information, a glossary of keywords, and links to relevant websites. Teaching English with the British Council This is episode 6. How and why should we teach English in crisis and emergency situations? Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Teaching English and in today's episode we will talk about how and why should we teach English in crisis and emergency situations. This episode does contain some sensitive and saddening information in it so please be aware of that if you're listening to this yourself or if you're sharing it with others. Chris, I know that you have a lot of experience working with refugees so can you share a little bit about that? Over the last few years, I've worked quite a lot in challenging situations. I've worked in places such as northern Nigeria, Somaliland, Lebanon, Jordan, Palestine as well. And yeah, a lot of that time has been with refugees and asylum seekers. What I've always been struck with, I think, in all the work that I've done in all of these places is just how much people want to learn. People will do anything to learn and it's it's not only what they get from the learning in terms of a qualification, but it's also the process of just having somewhere to go, something to do. One of the main reasons for teaching English in these situations is that people want it. And then everything else sort of follows from that. And as a person who experienced this, the the situation of learning under crisis, and later I was able to come to the UK and pursue my studies, I understood, maybe I did not understand the importance of learning English at a young age, but later in life I understood that English should be taught and it is something we should focus because it is a way for us to express ourselves and sometimes it's a powerful tool to change the narrative and to change the discourse around difficult topics or sensitive topics. Looking back at that, William, does it feel now more of a sort of a political act, the learning of English in Palestine as you were growing up? I think a lot of young people are learning English just to be able to deliver their messages. There are more Palestinians now who are able to write 
in professional English language. And I think in the past year, we have seen how the discourse around Palestine has shifted. And it's mainly because of these people who are proficient in English and who can express themselves and deliver the struggle or talk about the struggles of their nation. If I understand rightly, Wayam, your experience of learning English took place in the West Bank. In our interview today, though, we're going to be speaking to someone from Gaza. Could you explain a little bit about the difference between growing up in the West Bank and growing up in Gaza? I'd like to believe that there is no uh, difference. The difference is visible because of the systems that are in place by Israel and by the apartheid system. But we are one nation. We have always been. Since 2007, Gaza was under complete lockdown. So for over 15 years, people from Gaza were not allowed to leave Gaza. I think in the West Bank, there's a bit more autonomy. We can leave the West Bank. But unfortunately for people from Gaza, there are restrictions on on movement, travel. And when I say restrictions, it is beyond imagination. Yeah, people are locked literally in Gaza and also in the West Bank. And we spoke to Diana Abu Said, who lives and works in Gaza. Diana is an English language teacher. She works in an Onorwa school. She published three research papers in the field of applied linguistics and she's teaching primary level students. And she also has a master's degree in applied linguistics. Welcome, Diana. Thank you, Leanne. I'm so happy to be here with you. Why do you think it's important for teaching and learning to continue in crisis and emergency situations? This is the key question. Uh, I want to tell you, Leanne, that in time of emergencies and crisis, in general, we have questions more than answers. Just to keep that in mind before we start. Regarding your question, uh, even in time of a crisis, education is a fundamental human rights. And as a teacher, I believe that students need education in this time more than any time else. Uh, Another point that uh, you don't know the period or the length or the exact time of this crisis. Uh, And I believe that education is not just transferring uh, the knowledge. It is uh, something more than that. It's related to empowering the students, uh, supporting them. And this is the best time to do that. And what are some of the challenges in terms of doing that in crisis and emergency situations? We should, as a teacher, keep in mind that the the crisis don't impact the students, uh, all of the the students at the same uh, level. If we are ready, we can reduce the impact of this crisis. The second thing, it is related to the people in general attitude. We are in a crisis, we can't do anything. We are distracted, we should give up. No, we should try to work on the awareness and the attitude of the people about continued education in this time. We have other issues related to technology and digital literacy and uh, the teachers themselves they aren't, uh, you know, really trained to deal with the students in this time and with parents. And sometimes the teachers need to increase their well-being. So they need more courses and more, um, you know, counseling skills in that time. You talked a little bit there, Diana, about teacher well-being and counseling skills and so on. 
why do you think that is so important and and how can teachers protect themselves in these difficult situations as a teacher uh, i believe that the teacher is the center of the educational process so if you have a resilient teacher of course you can deal with 100 students at least in a good way in a positive way but if you have a traumatized teacher or stressed teacher that will impact all of his students how i could how i could as a teacher taking care of myself uh, for me i enrolled with the british council with many courses rela- related to trauma and how to deal with the traumatized students when you are confident you can deal with the students in this situation uh, for me i have uh, you know some uh, me time we have our coffee or tea time to try to relax myself not to multitasking i can uh, talk with other teachers from different countries uh, they are the same context like us and listen to their tips and how could the, I deal with this situation. And the, all the time I try to put myself in the, my students' shoes. And in, in your opinion, do you see the benefits of teaching and learning English in a context such as Gaza? Of course, this is very important. When we talk about teaching English, I imagine that we are in an island and English language uh, teaching, it is like uh, the bridge. And you know how important is the bridge? Uh, English language, it is the communication, the connection with other words and with ourselves as well. Because, you you know, I have the ticket to communicate with people from different nationalities uh, around the world, tell them about our uh, reality and our circumstances and to know more about their uh, reality and circumstances. And regarding teaching the English language itself, it has lots of strategies and approach that uh, helps the students to express themselves, communicate with others, uh, feel that they are not alone in this uh, crisis or hard times. And by the way, we should keep in mind that the crisis, it's not hard times sometimes, it is turning points. Can you explain a bit more about crisis being a turning point? For example, we have COVID-19. It is hard times. We can't deny that. But regarding the education, it is turning point. We move from face-to-face classroom to online learning. So it was for, for us here, in people of Gaza, it was turning point in education. And after the COVID-19, stakeholders now focus on technology more than before because of this uh, crisis. It was a turning point in our education system. Yeah, and I think crisis can also maybe show the inequalities around the world. So they become more prominent during times of crisis. So how can the process of language learning and the pedagogical approaches used make positive contributions to student well-being? We have some suggested activities like uh, using journals. They can write whatever, choose the topic they want to to talk about or to write about. We have, uh, sometimes I ask my students to write the stories, to recite some songs that can relieve in those hard times. Let them lead a discussion, listen, give them a safe atmosphere uh, of uh, learning. Uh, I like using a drama as well, a drama that it is really related to our uh, context and reality. Uh, I let the students choose the topic of the play, um, act the play, they have a message. All of these strategies are very helpful, particularly in English language, because they feel that they are the ambassadors of our context. 
And as you say there, Diana, sometimes it can be very small things that are, have a lot of influence. Just giving a student a choice about whether they do an activity as speaking or writing or giving them, you know, just giving them some kind of choice is so empowering in a situation and an environment where they, in their day-to-day -day lives, they have no choice. Just giving them something can really send a very positive message. Yes, exactly. Just to tell them that their voice matters. Exactly. I, I want just uh, to tell them this is a safe place. We can talk together. We don't have right or wrong answers. And by the way, I'm as a teacher, uh, I've suffered a lot of dealing with the traumatized students. Because two years ago, I don't have some counseling skills. Some students lose their parents in a war or in a political event. Uh, teachers need these basic uh, counseling skills. And I believe not only that we have in each school, we have one counselor and this is not enough. And do you think there is some sort of psychological protection of using a different language? So in doing these activities in English, for example, that students will talk about things in a way that they wouldn't do if they did it in Arabic? Uh, by the way, when you do with something international, it is more powerful. As I told you, they feel they are the ambassador. Just to do the code switching from Arabic and English, it is something happy and fun for the students. And they feel that they are more powerful because they have wide audience more than doing that in Arabic. Yeah, and I think that is particularly important in the Palestinian context because exactly. the crisis is ongoing for years. So it is very important to equip teachers also with the skills on how to deal with these situations. And do you see a difference, say, Diana, between the Palestinian context and, say, events that are happening in Ukraine or South Sudan? So with the Palestinian context, it's been going on for many, many years. In these other situations, it's on a, a shorter time period. Do you think the approaches are similar or are there differences? In general, we have some common approaches, but regarding the, uh, the Palestinian context, it's not because uh, the time or the period of the hard time or the crisis are too long. It's not something temporary. We, uh, as a teacher, uh, we are waiting unexpected events any time. So must be ready for uh, ups and downs all the time. As a teacher, I have a plan B. For example, I have my own curriculum design uh, for the crisis time. I have my own um, online and digital materials that I expect if this happened that day, today I will send this to my students. I will not interrupt the education. But the Palestinian context is completely different and sensitive. It is full of unexpected events anytime. For example, here we have the destruction of the schools. Uh, we have uh, some schools can be shelters in any time. So yeah. losing the infrastructures are expected. Yes, and I think uh, Gaza witnessed this many times in the past. So teachers had to adapt and work in really difficult circumstances. And I salute you for that, for being that strong educator. What's your role as a teacher or educator during these times, Diana? For me, I believe 
I should be uh, the unknown soldier who uh, encourage the students to learn. For example, in COVID-19, I did Zoom session. I started with only nine students. Later, the number increased to more than 100 students came to my session. Why they are keep coming to this session? Because they were, weren't 100% academic. We play together. I use a show and tell a presentation. I use a, a drama with them. We talk about their favorite movies. I ask them to bring their favorite chocolate and we talk about uh, food. I did also twinning activities with, with the students from Poland, Turkey. So if, we ha if you have resilient teachers, they can impact and empower the role of uh, education in that time. And so do you see that students can become advocates to their parents that from what they learn in your sessions and other teacher sessions that they can go home and they can support their parents in terms of processing some of the trauma or becoming more resilient uh, by the way i believe this students absorb the attitude of the teacher easier than the parent because the the, the impact of the teachers on the students are really great so Later, when they uh, go home, as you mentioned, they can change the attitude to their parents. Oh, their parents, they feel shy because the, the students are motivated and excited in this time more than them. Yeah, and I believe that can take off some of the burden off of the shoulders of parents who are also maybe struggling to process these difficult circumstances. Yes. I agree. I told you that the early preparation for a uh, crisis uh, regarding not the education system, but re related to the people resilience and uh, uh, the, uh, the courses in trauma and all of these things, many factors are key factors that have impact on this topic, not only in education. Yes. And one last question. Is there an activity that works particularly well in a context like Gaza in a crisis situation? For me, my students like show and telepresentation. I ask my students to bring, for example, their favorite doll. They told me about it. It is a gift from my dad, and they tell us more about it. And it is related also to the lesson. They describe it. Uh, if we have body parts, if we have a lesson about colors. I believe that show and telepresentation give the students the, this safe atmosphere of speaking activity. And it is a, a good way to communicate with their friends and to tell them more about themselves. Another activity, it is visualization. My students, imagine that you are on a plane and could you tell us your destination? Yes, I want to go, for example, to Britain. What would you like to see there? Uh, London Eye. And I can ask more uh, questions like this. This activity really fun and interested for the students related to their uh, needs, help them uh, to forget the reality and the, the crisis times. Yes, I think it's a bit of an escape for them, which helps them maybe process what is going on. And it's fun as well. Yes, exactly. Thank you very much, Diana. That was really interesting. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Chris. And we are... I specifically liked that Diana, when she answered the questions, how and why should we teach English in crisis? She referred to education, the process of education, that it should continue. She referred to the education process as a whole. And uh, since English crosses cultures, countries and, you know, industries, it is often used as a common tongue if a person does not speak that na native language. So it's an experience 
a tool for expression and i think people in crisis are in the utmost need for that tool and she also talked about processing trauma and using language to process trauma through the use of drama i wonder chris uh, whether that is similar or different to your experience in training and working with ukrainian teachers yeah so over the past few months i've been working a lot with the british council in poland and in romania and elsewhere on training Ukrainian teachers in trauma-informed or trauma-sensitive pedagogies. What we've been doing is trying to support teachers in how do they deal with students who are facing trauma, who are facing crisis, how can you teach language in that situation or how can language be used as a therapeutic tool to support them during these very very difficult times and yeah I mean my view is it, it absolutely can because for many many children the classroom is the safest place in times of crisis and emergency everything else in their lives may be chaos but the classroom is a space that can be controlled it is a space where a well-informed teacher can create a kind of sanctuary and that's what we are trying to do because it's not only good for the students it can be good for the teachers who themselves are suffering often from from trauma and it's also good for parents and the whole community the school can become almost an active political agent in trying to combat the, the the forces of the Russian invasion and one of the things I often say to teachers in this training is that they are frontline workers they are actively involved in fighting against tyranny and they should be told this because they are they are just as heroic uh, as anyone else in this fight they are not psychologists, but they're expected to be. They're not nurses and doctors, but they're expected to be. They're not parents, but they're expected to be. They're expected to wear all of these different hats, and it's incredibly difficult, and it's incredibly hard, and yet they do it every day, where just getting out of bed for a lot of people in this situation would be a, an act of huge moral courage. They're going far, far, far beyond that. Obviously, the, the two situations in Gaza and Ukraine have lots of similarities but also lots of differences but there really is I think a, a sort of a shared center between them. That was very heartfelt Chris and as you said it's a statement and I agree with that. I remember when I used to complain about crossing a checkpoint to go to school every morning my dad always told me that education is a weapon it is it's a weapon in these circumstances so i always remember his words and it just crossed my mind that he always said that and you can see in these situations teachers are very very hard working and also students are very hard working they want to learn because not just because it's an escape for them but because i think they realize the importance of knowledge and of learning and in the field report that we're listening to in this episode it captures a flavour of some of this training uh, that I've been doing in Poland and Romania. We talk to teachers, we talk to trainers, and we talk to the people who are organising and running the course. Teaching English with the British Council.
From the very first days, there were many students, many primary students who were with us in the city hall, just making uh, masking nets and uh, doing different things for the army and for our country. And even their parents, they felt uh, more safe when the kids were with us teachers because they relied on us to, to, to take care of them all together. Yes, uh, Ukraine is at war with Russia at the moment and we do have displaced students, or we have wounded students and we have uh, all sorts of different uh, trauma in their families because of the war. And this was a great challenge for our educational system because our teachers and our system um, hasn't been ready for such great obstacle to overcome. My name is Christian Oshan. Uh, I'm a teacher educator, uh, a moderator of online courses and a course developer with the British Council. I've been working with Ukrainian teachers for a very long time. Uh, we are trying to support teachers and learners in the, these uh, difficult situations. We're starting with the teachers because we believe that teachers should be in a good mental, uh, personal and professional state so that they can support the learners. Uh, and that means that we are offering lots of activities theory first and then activities that they can take into the classroom. All of these are trauma-informed teaching activities and we are trying to reach through the teachers thousands, dozens of thousands of learners who hopefully will be able to benefit from education even under very difficult circumstances. Our brain developed from the bottom to the top, from the reptile part to mammal to neocortex. And again, there is like three words that correlate with those stru with that structure. So, regulate, relate, and reason. And now, looking in your participants' book or on the screen, it doesn't matter. Uh, please choose a word. Okay, Oksan, let's check the first parts so of really regulate, then relate, and reason. Really. Or how do we understand regulation? What it, does it mean to regulate? What to do? What techniques do you know? This basic. Uh-huh, so present techniques, yeah? Mm -hmm. What else? We were watching the video about calm down spaces. There should be a special place where the child can go and to be on your own for a moment. Yes, and to stay for a moment and try to manage to deal with it. We need to do anything we can do that just to tame our reptile, if I can say this in this way. We need to make our instincts follow our uh, our flaw, our thoughts, not just to be. Uh, under their control. So we are still we are humans and we are able to control a reptile in, in, in our brain. Well, my name is Olya, I'm from Lviv, but now I'm living in Ivano-Frankivsk region and I work at the local school, at the small uh, village school, rather small for Ukraine. Uh, there are 300 students, and it's in Bodnariv, not far from Kalush. Hello, everyone. My name is Olga, and I'm um, working as a teacher at Kalush Lyceum Number Two. It's uh, in not far from Olya's uh, place. She works, and I've been working there for 16 years.
nowadays is blackout uh, because uh, it depends on the day we can work distantly or we can work offline but in both cases it's very very challenging because if we are offline we have no electricity we have no heating in schools and we have no light in the shelters and if we work distantly no one can join the, the, the video lesson so it's it's a really big challenge because our students they had their routine they they are adapted to the war now they have their natural immunity if it can be called like this a natural immunity to war but they still established it and now they are frustrated due to the electricity shortage my students became more responsible and those who hated going to school they always ask when we will go to school we would like to study we would like to gain a better education because in the future we will rebuild ukraine that would be our aim and i'm very proud of them because uh, nowadays we have wars and we will have victory and we have to move on Even me, I discovered many feelings in myself, inside myself, yesterday. Uh, fireworks that seem normal for Poland, they, they are a crisis for us. I was waking up at uh, 5 o'clock this morning because somebody was just doing fireworks. And for me, I thought it was war that followed me here. And uh, I understood that I have to work with my own feelings too. But I'm not a robot. <laughs> We are trying to help the project grow and uh, so uh, British Council Ukraine recruited 16 experienced um, teacher educators and they're absolutely amazing. They are not only wonderful professionals but they are um, they all have the human qualities required for this project. They are very empathetic. Uh, they know uh, how to listen to the teachers, how to support the teachers. They know how to approach the teachers because they are going through the exact same situations as the teachers are, and they know what the teachers need. Uh, my name is Oksana Lozhnikova. I'm an English teacher, uh, mostly teaching groups of teenagers. And currently, just working as a trainer for the British Council. And I'm Dasha Artsimeva. I'm an English teacher as well. I work at the state school and work with different age groups from primary to the high school students. Also, I'm happy to be a teacher educator and to participate as a trainer for this project of the British Council Ukraine. This course is a really essential one because it enhanced teachers' background regarding teacher uh, trauma-informed approach, and at the same time, it helps them to overcome their own problems, issues, and reactions. Try right? to keep everything like in the same place and support their communities, their families, their students. Uh, we hope they are going to become more sensitive. Uh, they will understand deeper how the brains work. Strong belief that they will be more confident in terms of teaching during the wartime. And I hope that they will make a shift to such social and emotional supportive activities and try to put uh, their learners' needs, feelings and personalities at the very beginning of each lesson. Uh, they will stop teaching the book and they will definitely uh, go on or start mm -hmm. uh, teaching students. 
What is more important today, our participants have mentioned that we are lucky, English teachers are really lucky ones because our subject helps us to bring really great difference to our classrooms. It's really like great opportunity for our students' recovery. I think the language helps us process what we are going through. Uh, quite often we say that language and the words we use shape our reality. I'm a great believer in that and I, I see it every day when we work with these teachers. If we use the correct terms for identifying how we feel, what we feel, we can come up with the right solutions. If we cannot name these feelings, if we cannot name what we are going through, we don't have any control over them. So language gives us control, uh, especially a foreign language. It's, it's a very interesting phenomenon. A foreign language um, is very helpful because it creates a neutral ground. We are less emotional in another language. So it gives us the space to look at our feelings from a more objective perspective and helps us uh, work with what we are going through. Name our thoughts, name our feelings, uh, and of course it will do the same for the learners. I try to use more positive words and less negative because we've got a lot of negative outlets. So I try yes, to use more positive words. Mm -hmm. Positive meaning. Yeah, the words with positive meaning. Yes. It's not great. Oh, we are talking about land. I would say we are also traumatized, so we are at their level, and I feel that we are more facilitators than educators here, and we are involved and uh, we are growing together with them. Well, knowledge, and then we will do everything after the war, after the situation is calm and better. So it's a great opportunity for them to recharge their batteries. Nowadays we have wars and we will have victory. Teaching English with the British Council. So a similar theme between this field report and what Diana said in her interview is trauma and trauma-informed activities. Diana mentioned that she always has a plan B and here teachers reflected on how they use trauma-informed activities to regulate the emotions of children who experience the trauma. But I think most importantly is providing support also for teachers who are holding all this burden on their shoulders. So it's very important to train teachers um, using the right, the right methods and using also my, maybe trauma-informed approaches to train teachers so they can be equipped to deal with the learners. Do you agree, Chris? Absolutely, and I think too often in these situations teachers forget about themselves and they have to look after themselves one of the things we talk about in the training you know is the oxygen mask analogy you know you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you help other people and teachers have to recognize this that they will burn out it's just too hard if they don't also look after themselves they have to find time to find their own joy and to look after themselves however hard things are it's not selfish it's not unrealistic it's not unreasonable to do these things and they have to realize that they will be more effective 
if they look after themselves. Yes, definitely. And also it's important not to neglect other people's trauma. So trauma might not just be the sudden event. It can be an accumulation of events that lead to trauma. And in many struggles or in many emergency situations around the world, you'd find that this is very intergenerational, let's say. So it's not just an event and we need to do an intervention there. I think it's accumulated. So these methods, I think, work in all parts of the world. Uh, absolutely. And I think so much of it, though, is the the recognition by teachers that there is something that they can do. And again, something we always say at the start of the training is you will not fix these children. Definitely. You will not fix them, but you always try to make their time in class at least enjoyable and, you know, fun. And what you can do is show another way. You can show a different way. You know, whether that's in Palestine or in Ukraine or wherever it may be, is that you can model kindness, you can model good behavior, you can show that alternative realities are possible within the four walls of your classroom. I couldn't agree more. I think empathy is very important because I think uh, people exposed to violence specifically, when they see that, you know, everything around them is falling, then they well feel that well the world it doesn't matter what is the reason you know what is the purpose of this life so it's very important to reflect themes of empathy and to show them that there is still kindness in this world and things will improve and be better absolutely there was something else that christiana mentioned as well which i thought was very interesting about how how teachers just by being aware and noticing things can have a huge impact on not just the class, but on the individual life of a child. Uh, just have a listen to this extract, Wayam. They had a family coming uh, uh, from um, Alep a few years ago. Uh, and you know that there was a lot of bombing at Shalim. And they, whenever they would get close to school, one of the boys would start crying and yelling and just throw himself on the ground and refuse to, to continue. And they couldn't understand why, because the other child was perfectly all right. Look for the trigger, look what, what triggers that behavior. What he did was to go outside and to watch the parents coming with the children. And the parents, because the children were kind of young, would carry the backpacks. And when they would get closer, he would put the backpacks on the children's shoulders and send them, back, send them in. And at that moment, when the backpack was put on the child's back, he started yelling. So the teacher realized that something, that was the moment. So he took the child aside and he actually sat down. He said that he sat in the dirt. They don't have paved roads there. So he sat in the dirt with the child. He pushed the backpack away and he started talking and said, don't, don't you like your backpack? Would you like another one? And the child started crying and told him that actually when he was going to school, the street was shelled and his best friend was killed and the only thing left of him was his backpack. So his reaction was to the backpack. When he saw the backpack, he relieved all that. So the teacher talked to the parents and said, listen, no more backpacks. Put his things in a plastic bag. You can work around it if you find the trigger. 
that goes back to how you process also trauma. I think when teachers are aware how trauma is formed in children and how it works in the brain, they are more able to find practical solutions on the spot. Uh, absolutely. And I think it's, and again, it comes back to this point about saying to teachers, you are not going to fix this situation. But what we can do is give you enough knowledge and support in order to identify these sorts of problems and work out what you can do in these situations again in in crisis and emergency situations it's all about what can you control and what can't you control there's so many things you can't control that often teachers feel well there's no point doing anything but there are things you can control. There's always things you can control. You can control the type of language you use. You can control what's in your classroom. You can control how people work together. You can control what you say, how you model good behavior. There's all sorts of things you do have the power to control in that situation. You can control listening to what a child says and using your knowledge to identify that it was the backpack which was the trigger for their behavior. Thank you for listening and in our seventh episode we will talk about how can peer-led training and mentoring support teachers' development. See you next time. Teaching English with the British Council Series 2 is hosted by Wiam Hamdan and Chris Souton. The producer is Elizabeth Dyer. Executive producer Chris Dyer. Salsan Abukara is the Arabic language consultant. Teaching English with the British Council.